Our final lesson this morning is also from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 2, verses 8 through 20. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those with whom he is well pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told to them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. Well, Merry Christmas again, everybody. My name is Eric. I'm the pastor here. And we do have, if you're too cozy, if you're too Christmas cozy right now with your neighbor, we have two uh, seats right down here, two pews that are wide open. This morning, we'll be finishing off our Advent series. Uh, we've been looking at passages in Scripture that connect two things, this idea of good news and this idea of joy. We've been asking the question, how is the birth of Christ, how is Christmas, the kind of news that can bring us deep gladness, contentment that transcends even our circumstances? So, How can the birth of Jesus 2,000 years ago, how can that be still relevant to our lives and not just relevant, but be the source of great joy? So our theme verse for this series has been Luke chapter 2, verse 10, which David just read. And the angel said there, do not be afraid, for I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. So this morning, I'm going to share a few brief thoughts uh, during this Christmas meditation. I'm, I'm a big fan of Christmas, lights, trees, Christmas carols, Christmas song. I'm, I'm a... I'm a pretty big Christmas fan. Now, this Christmas Advent season, though, I found out one of my heroes, he's one of my favorite authors, I've been reading him ever since I was little, is actually a little bit of a Christmas Scrooge and is not a huge fan of Christmas. And that's C.S. Lewis. Some of you know the author C.S. Lewis. I found a satire he wrote where he pretended to come to his hometown, which was England, as a complete outsider, and he was observing Christmas happening in his country. And so he, he, he writes this satire, and he says, I'm observing there's actually two things going on here. One he calls Xmas, E-X-M-A-S, and the other he calls 
Christmas, C-R-I-S-S-M-A-S. He says Xmas is all about greeting cards, it's about gifts and parties, but then there's this other thing called Christmas, which is about the sacred story and about people gathering for worship. And I want to share a little bit what he, what he said about Xmas. He said, after Xmas is over, people become pale and weary because of the crowds and the fog, so that any man who came into a British city at this season would think some great public calamity had fallen on Britain. This 50 days of preparation is called, in their barbarian speech, the Xmas Rush. It was a little bit of a downer, I know, but I think Lewis is doing some hyperbole. He's doing some exaggeration there where he's observing a little bit of a disconnect between the story of Christmas, the birth of Jesus, and what he calls the Christmas rush. The Christmas rush is all about activity. It's all about purchasing and busyness. While we have the story of the birth of Jesus, which is about simplicity and poverty and emptying. So I think he's making this larger point long time ago in Britain, but I think it still applies to us today, about all the Xmas rush. Why in all of our Xmas rush do we often miss the joy? Well, it's Christmas Eve. I know some of you are very excited. Kids, you're probably very excited for what's coming later this evening. But let me ask you a question. With all that's happening, we're here right at the pinnacle of Christmas. Which one are you experiencing more? The Christmas rush or a sense of deep and growing and abiding joy? Luke, the author of the Gospel of Luke, he uses this phrase, great joy, only two times in his gospel, great joy. Right here at the beginning, 2 verse 10, the birth of Jesus, and in the very last sentence of his gospel, after Jesus was carried up into heaven, he writes, They worshipped him, Jesus, and they returned to Jerusalem, his disciples, with great joy. Luke bookends the story of Jesus with the concept of great joy. And he's saying, I think one of his main points he's making throughout his gospel is that the story of Jesus, when it's grasped, when it's believed, will not just result in any joy but it will result in a great joy. And it all starts with Christmas and the birth of Jesus. So I want to look at three things here about the birth of Jesus. That if we lose the story, if we lose these pieces of the story, we actually lose the reason why there is joy. We lose great joy that should come in Christmas. So the first, the first one of these things that is necessary for us to see the joy that is present in Christmas is this. There's no joy in Christmas if it's not news. In other words, there's no real joy in Christmas unless it actually and truly happened. So Luke begins his gospel not in this way, a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. When you hear those words, you know that I'm talking about Star Wars, and yeah, I did see the movie. We can save our reviews for later, but that's a story in a fantasy land. It's a story of events uh, that are fictional. Luke is very specific. He's very intentional to place the story of the birth of Jesus in the context of real 
human history. In Luke chapter 2, verse 1, he says, A decree went out from Caesar Augustus, the head of the Roman Empire. This was when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And he says, Joseph went from Galilee and then from Nazareth to Judah to Bethlehem. Here in the gospel, Luke is being very detailed. He's being very precise about when these events happened and where they happened. This is real time. These are real people in real places. And Luke is saying the story and the birth of Jesus is not just an inspiring story. It's not a fable. It's not the kind of story that will have use or impact whether or not it's true. To quote C.S. Lewis one more time, he said this, Christianity, if false, is of no importance, and if true, of infinite importance. The one thing it cannot be is moderately important. In Luke 2, 11, Luke unpacks before us, or he, he, he describes Jesus using these three titles. Jesus is the Savior who was born, who is Christ the Lord. Savior, Christ, and Lord. Only as the story unfolds, as Luke tells it, do we see what Luke is saying by putting all these three things together. The only way this baby can be all three, Savior, and Christ, and Lord, is if this baby, who's all swaddled up, who's sleeping in a feeding trough there in the manger, if he is fully God and fully man in all its mysterious reality. If we can truly say God was in the manger, then everything changes. That's an event that's happening in human history of infinite importance. I found a podcast this week, a new one that I hadn't heard of before. It's called Hinge. And the podcast is a conversation between a pastor and um, an atheist about belief. And it's really good. I listened to the first one, very honest, very respectful of belief and the questions of unbelief and how those intersect. But in the initial episode, the atheist who was hosting this part of the episode said, here's the unique thing about Christianity. It all turns on the straightforward claims of history. It all hinges on the belief that God actually was born, that he died and was, re- was resurrected in the person of Jesus at a specific time and place in history. And he said, if this did happen, maybe there is a reason for hope. But if it didn't happen, maybe that hope is just an invention. We've become very skeptical these days of news. We feel like when we see news and headlines that we have to check the facts because there's all kinds of fake news. We've seen that news is just not reporting the facts, but it all comes uh, via a certain perspective. And certain selective process goes in to what makes news. And so as we're looking for truth, as we're looking for real news, we're looking for marks of uh, authenticity and inauthenticity in a story. And I wanted to mention one of those as an aside here in the story that Luke tells. No other gospel writer goes into the details of Jesus' birth. So Luke, he had a clean slate. He could have said anything about Jesus. He could have made up an incredible and wonderful story. But here Luke says the angels that announced Jesus' birth appeared to shepherds. Why shepherds? The interesting thing about shepherds is they don't add any legitimacy 
to the truth of the story of Jesus because shepherds in this day and age, according to later rabbinic tradition, Jewish tradition, they were not respected as far as their testimony goes. They were, they were considered unreliable, untrustworthy, and their testimony was dismissed in the courts. So to his audience, Luke is writing to, this would not have added any credibility to his story. But instead, they would have, that would have added a shade of doubt. Well, shepherds, why would I even trust what they had to say? And so in just seeing that little fact of the Christmas story, that actually bears the mark of authenticity. Why would Luke make that up if it didn't help to prove his case? Luke is saying there is joy in Christmas because it's news. It's true. It really happened. Secondly, there would be no joy in Christmas if it's not good news. Something can be news, it can be true, but if it's not good news, it won't bring us joy. Two things show us why the birth of Jesus brings joy, why it's good news. The announcement of the angels in verse 11 and the sign that's given to the shepherds in verse 12. The announcement, the angels say, we bring you good news of great joy. That word gospel, good news, that word, it means an announcement. It means we're here to tell you something that has actually happened. We're not here to teach you something. We're not here to just casually share something. We're here to make an announcement. We're here to herald. We sing, hark the herald angels sing. When I was little, I thought that meant there was an angel named Harold. But that's not what the song is saying. It's saying the angels are heralding. They're proclaiming. They're announcing because that's what you do with news, with good news. They're saying something so good has happened. A Savior has been born. The news is not something we have to do. It's not something we're doing wrong. It's not something we need to stop doing. It's something God is doing in history. And this means that the more we see and know our need for a Savior, the better this announcement will sound to us, the greater our joy will become. This means that the most joyful people are the people who have stopped trying to save themselves. As a pastor, something I've noticed is when I'm talking to people at different stages in their spiritual journey is one of the main reasons why Christianity doesn't seem joyful to people who are not Christians is because they see Christianity not as heralding an announcement, but instead as dispensing advice about what we need to do. That Christianity is mainly moral advice about what we should do more and what we should stop doing. And I think the same thing actually applies to Christians as well. One of the main reasons why Christians don't experience this great joy in their faith it's because we've forgotten the announcement. We've forgotten the good news. We look to Scripture. We look to our faith for advice, for instruction on what to do. We think about what we're doing, what we need to do better, and how we're trying hard enough or not. But what we need most of all in our lives to experience that great joy is to hear what has been heralded, good news of what God has done for us in His Son. And so Christmas is a time to recover, it's a time to remember the difference between announcement and advice. Jesus came and was born, not to give us advice, not to tell us what to do, but to do for us 
what we could not do for ourselves. In verse 12, the shepherds are told they're, they're going to be given a sign. They're given this announcement, and the angels say, this will be a sign for you. In the Bible, a sign is, is proof. It's, it's, it's adding to the authenticity of what has been shared. And it's often in the form of something miraculous, an act of power, so there's leaving no doubt, okay, this is real. This is happening. But the shepherds are saying, here's the sign that what we are saying is true, the angels say. You'll find a baby lying in a feeding trough. It's an odd sign. How is that proof that this is good news? This morning I was thinking, did Jesus as a baby or as a kid ever get the stomach flu? Because the stomach flu has infiltrated our home. And as it's hitting us and we see the weakness of our bodies and we'll spare you all the rest of the details of what happens, you know. I was wondering, if Jesus got the stomach flu, that means that he was fully human. Now, I don't know if he ever came down with a specific illness of the stomach flu, but I think we can say with 100% confidence that Jesus got sick that Jesus became ill. One of my sons asked me this week, uh, Daddy, did the baby Jesus ever cry? Because there is that hymn, Away in the Manger. Some of you know the lyrics where it says, Away in the Manger. Um, well, it says, The cattle are lowing, the baby awakes, the little Lord Jesus, no crying he makes. And so it paints this picture of this perfect baby in a manger. He never cries. Now I'm here to say that is not true. That is theologically incorrect. It wouldn't be good news if the baby Jesus didn't cry. He wouldn't be our Savior. The sign of a crying baby is good news of great joy because it's a sign that God has fully and completely entered our humanity. He's taken it on fully. Jesus has come to be our Savior 100%. With what, for 100% of human brokenness, whatever your pain and grief, He came as a man of sorrows. He came to bear our sickness and disease. There isn't one part of our human brokenness and sin and suffering and pain that he has not taken on from the inside in order to redeem. There's a quote, an old quote from uh, St. Ambrose. I think it captures this so well. I want to share that with you. Ambrose said, he was a baby, a child, so you might become a complete mature person. He was wrapped in swaddling clothes, so you might be freed from the bonds of death. He was in a manger so you might be on the altar. He came to earth so you may be in the stars. He had no place in the inn so that you may have in heaven many mansions. He became rich. He, being rich, excuse me, became poor for your sakes, that through his poverty you might become rich. This is the kind of news that needs to be heralded and proclaimed what God has done for us in his Son. Thirdly, there's no joy in Christmas if it's not for all the people. The angel said this is good news of great joy for all the people. On the night of Jesus' birth, the glory of the Lord, it says in Luke 2, it didn't appear in its official religious setting in the temple in Jerusalem to the priests and to the leaders, but instead the glory of the Lord appears to random shepherds out in a field, everyday people, common folk. 
good news of great joy for all the people, the word that Luke uses there, meant for all of Israel. But as we see the story of Jesus unfold, by extension, we see that Jesus came to bring the gospel good news of great joy for all people in the world, every kind of person. It's not good news if anyone is excluded or uninvited. This means that no one is closer or more likely to the great joy of Christianity based on their political leanings or positions, their ethnicity, their religious background, their particular circumstances, your particular sins. It's instead those who think they are closer and more deserving and most qualified are those who are the furthest off from the joy. And rather, those who know they're equal in common need and feel like they are the least qualified are the closest to finding this great joy. I just want to close by mentioning the two responses here at the end of Luke chapter 2, the birth story. We've been looking at this headline of Christmas, good news of great joy for all the people. That's the headline. And as I was uh, doing some looking into this online this week, I found um, all these studies that have been done about our tendency to get our news only from the headlines. And there's been all kinds of different studies. It says about 60 to 70 to 80% of people only get their news by looking at the headlines. And when you look at people commenting on news stories, blogs, or articles, it even said, there was an article that said 60% of those people, they haven't even read the article or the blog. They just want to make their comments known. That we have a tendency to skim on the surface, and we can do that with Christmas. We could do that with the story of Jesus. It may be very familiar to us. We may not be quite sure where we stand with Jesus, and we think that's a, that's a marvelous story. It's a wonderful story. It's somewhat nostalgic and sentimental. But to find this great joy, we have to dig in deep and move beyond the headlines. One of my favorite Christmas movies is the Charlie Brown Christmas special. And there at the end in the key scene, poor Charlie Brown, he's always getting ridiculed and made fun of, and he has his rinky-dink Christmas tree that's there on the stage. And he's come to the end of himself. Everyone's making fun of him. Nothing he does is good enough. And he just screams, says, somebody tell me what Christmas is all about. And then Linus, his buddy, comes up with his blanket and says, sure, Charlie Brown, I can tell you what Christmas is all about. And he reads from the passage that we're talking about, Luke chapter 2. And that's my favorite scene. It's a classic scene. It's very simple, very powerful. But then what I didn't notice as I was looking at it and watching that scene again this week is that right after Linus is done reading from Luke chapter 2, everything just stops. And there's a pause. And no one says anything. There was all this ruckus before. And they all just kind of walk outside. And Charlie Brown, he goes outside and he just stares up into the sky. And he's looking at the, the stars. And then he hears the words that Linus spoke. These words, for behold, I bring you great news, good news of great joy. And what that, what that showed me, what that stood out to me as I was thinking about this passage, because there's two reactions. 
The, the shepherds went off and told a lot of people, look what happened, like angels appeared and there's a baby in a manger and it says they wondered at this. Wow, that's interesting. But they stopped short of going investigating it themselves. All the people the shepherds told about this, they just went about their business. But in verse 19, it says Mary had a very different reaction. It says Mary began to contemplate these things. She treasured them up in her heart and she pondered them. The word there, pondering, means putting your thoughts together. What is happening? These angels showed up. This baby is born. What's going on? She was pondering all these thoughts, trying to put them together into a coherent whole. The joy of Christmas doesn't come from just skimming the, the headlines, but it comes from that kind of treasuring, that kind of pondering. And so in the midst of the Christmas rush, I just want to invite you to that, to treasure, to contemplate, to ponder. The good news of Christmas is true, it's good, and it's for all people. Please pray with me. Lord Jesus, we pray this morning, on this Christmas Eve morning, as we know, many of us will be rushing off later this evening and tomorrow and beyond there to experience festivities and time with family and all kinds of activity. I pray for each of us. Some of us, our joy meter is very low. Some of us are doing well. And our joy meter in the circumstances of life is, is running pretty high. And I pray that you would meet us with the truth, the goodness, the great joy of this story in a fresh way, that we would be able, even amidst all the rush and the busyness, to ponder, to take time to allow this to sink into our hearts, that we would know this news, this true news, as a source of our deepest joy, that you are not a God who has remained far off from us, who has told us to find our way back to you, but you are a God who has come to us in our deepest place of need, in our greatest longing. You have done for us what we could never do for ourselves. We thank you for the saving and the joyful message of Christmas. May it fill our hearts this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.